Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, as a congregation, we remember the Reformation, and specifically a voice. The voice of Luther. A voice that called the church in his specific context to reform. Luther worked to emphasize the grace of God and to bring that emphasis into worship and into the life of people. The grace of God, it brings a depth, a deep meaning and a beauty that we are centered around what we are doing today. We still strive to emphasize God's grace as a community of faith, especially in our formal acts of worship here. Grace and forgiveness Grace in the gift of our scriptures, the grace of God's presence in the Lord's Supper that we share together each week. Our formal acts of worship, there's something that we cherish and we have for a very long time as a community of faith. And the centrality of God's grace in Jesus, it's something that we want to share with others. We see a beauty to our time together here because Christ is at the center of it. There is deep meaning and significance to the grace of God that is present here for us in this time. And yet, not everybody in the world sees it this way. There are voices. Voices out there that critique what we are doing together. In 2011, Barna, a research group, did a massive study of people 18 to 29 years old which during the study means that the people are 29 to 40 today, did a massive study of this group and their experiences and perceptions of the church. And after doing that study, came up with some kind of key words that were descriptors of the church according to this group. And one of those descriptions is that the church is shallow. Shallow, it's superficial. 24% said that it's completely or mostly true, That, quote, faith is not relevant to my career, my interests. 13% said that it's not simply completely true or mostly true, but that it's just completely true for them. That's a third of that age group polled agreed that faith is not relevant to their career or interests. 23% said that it is completely or mostly true that my church does not prepare me for real life. 9% said that it's not simply completely or mostly true, but that it's just completely true that the church does not prepare me for real life. Again, that's about a third of those polled. There are voices of people today who claim that what we do on a Sunday together here is irrelevant to life, irrelevant to the world around us. There are voices of people today, both young and old, who claim that worship services are out of touch with what matters, that this time is self-centered and it ignores the realities that are present in the world of everyday life. And we might protest. Give it a try. Right? If they were here, if they listened and they considered the grace of God, they'd see how deep, how meaningful and rich what is that we are doing here. They consider that God is grace and that he offers it. If they participated in worship, they would see how important this is. They just don't get it. They're not a part of it. Their voice is easily dismissed. But today we have the voice of God 
speaking through the voice of Isaiah. And Isaiah has some really incredibly harsh critiques against the community of faith in his day. Yahweh declares, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations. I cannot bear your worthless gatherings. Your new moon festivals, your appointed feasts and festivals, I hate them with all of my being. Incense was commanded by God. It was part of the tabernacle, part of the temple where he promised to dwell with them. Sabbaths, Sabbaths are holy, given by God himself. When Yahweh asked the people, who told you to do all these things? The irony is that he did. He told them to do all these festivals, offer all of these sacrifices. Sabbath celebrations, for instance, were desired by and commanded by Yahweh. And yet the voice of God declares, I hate them with all of my being. What happened? What is going on? These formal acts of worship of the people it seems, have become shallow. They have become hollow because the people were ignoring justice. Worshiping God was an engagement with God himself. And if the people are to be interacting with Yahweh, receiving his gifts and living in his presence, that relationship, that close proximity to God himself was meant to shape them. Yahweh is just, and so to worship him ought to result Injustice for the least. Worship, you see, is not an end in and of itself. And the people in those days may have been functioning that way as if the end goal is just do the motions, do the activity, the formal act. But instead, worship finds its greater fulfillment and compassion for others and justice for the vulnerable. God repeatedly reveals himself to the people as one who hears the cries of the oppressed. God is the one who takes up the cause of the fatherless. He pleads the cause of the widow. He is concerned about the disadvantaged and those whose voice is suppressed by others. Those whose voice is drowned out by those who are bigger or louder. After all, he took Israel out of slavery from under Pharaoh in Egypt, out of legislated slavery and genocide almost at one point. Of all people... They should know the character of God and his compassion to lift up the trapped and the broken. But instead, they celebrate Sabbaths commanded by God. They offer incense commanded by Yahweh himself. They offer sacrifices and prayers which Yahweh calls them to do. And then they ignore the cries of the oppressed. They don't do what is just and right for the vulnerable. And God says, I hate it. I hate it with all of my being. All of these formal acts of worship are not an end in and of itself. If they are engaging Yahweh himself, who is full of justice, full of compassion, then the proper result of their worship is compassionate justice for the community and for the world around them. Into this disturbing situation, and it should be disturbing, worship without justice This disturbing situation in which worship is somehow cut off from the rest of life. Into that disturbing situation, God speaks words of grace. Let us reason together, he says. 
Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He continues to be forgiving. These people who are ignoring the fullness of what he is up to, he continues to be merciful and define himself as compassionate. Yet we often end the verse there, right? Grace of God, that's the end for us right there. However, Isaiah goes on to write more. It says, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be eaten by the sword. What in the world is this? Well, God's character, again, is one of mercy. Undeserved mercy, right? Let us reason together. I'm going to cleanse you of your sin. But living in that mercy, living in this relationship in which God makes us who were crimson white as snow, it brings with it a responsibility to do justice in the world for the sake of others. If he forgives our sins, if he lifts us up in the midst of our poor estate, then we ought to lift up others. We ought to be embodying the justice of God's grace that we have received. The voice of God through Isaiah calls for reform condemning their shallow worship, and calling them to do what is right, to seek justice, to plead the cause of the vulnerable and the marginalized. There are voices of people today who claim that what we do here on Sunday is shallow or irrelevant, that we're only concerned about ourselves and that the church tends to hold up internally and frequently ignores the realities of the world around us. They are voices of people that we may really want to dismiss or say, you just don't understand. You got to be here. You got to try it. You got to see how deep and meaningful what it is that we do here. But what if these voices are likened to the voice of Isaiah? What if these voices are carrying on the prophetic tradition, even if they are not necessarily prophets? What if these voices are an invitation to reform? The church is always to be reforming. This voice like we have in Isaiah is one that should keep us questioning and wondering, have we lost sight of justice? Do our formal acts of worship together, does our life as the church, our engagement with God's grace and his many gifts in Christ, have they somehow become hollow And I don't mean that we're here just like going through the motions or daydreaming, but rather has our engagement and has our sometimes even very deeply fervent engagement become misguided so that these things have become an end in and of themselves. Is Sunday morning or other aspects of our formal service, is that our end goal? Or do those things drive us towards justice for the weak? Does our worship urge us and push us, even if it is uncomfortable or unsettling, towards taking up the cause of the vulnerable, the foreigner, the widow, the orphan, the marginalized in our society today? The church is always to be reforming. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have a very long history of failing at what God desires and distorting even his own grace, right? The depth and beauty of his grace, distorting it so that it simply ends with us rather than ending in the blessing 
of others. If we're honest with ourselves, we have a long history of this. Otherwise, Isaiah wouldn't have had to write this down, and it wouldn't have had to been copied again and again. This is an ongoing struggle for the people of God. We do live by grace. The character of God that is on display in Jesus is one of compassion, unimaginable, undeserved compassion for you and for me. He has forgiven us all of our sins. He's given us eternal life. He is our mighty fortress who has rescued us from sin, death, and evil. And we are blessed and welcomed into this relationship. A relationship in which we have joy in worship. We have the joy to even engage in these formal acts of worship together like we are today. But the forgiveness of Jesus and the comfort he brings through his death and resurrection is not the end in and of itself for us. We are forgiven, it's true. We are comforted. We are promised resurrection and eternal life so that we can engage the world around us as he has created us and desires us to do. The character of Jesus is one of overwhelming and surprising compassion. His character is one of justice as he emphasizes love for all, especially the poor. And when we listen to Jesus speak, like throughout Luke's account, repeatedly, again and again, he emphasizes the disadvantaged, the oppressed, those whose voice is being drowned out. Worshiping him, participating in him, sharing in his body and blood together, for instance, as we do. It is for us. It is a joy and comfort, but he gives it to us also for those that would be interacting with us and whom we might engage in the world. We have been baptized into Christ, share in his life and his character. To worship him and ignore the cries of the oppressed, it's not worship. But to seek justice and care for those in need, that is the fullness of worship. It is what we do here, where it leads towards the grace of God, the beauty and depth of its meaning, is meant to shape us and empower us towards life. He gives us the spirit to bind us to Jesus. That is a joy and a comfort. But that same spirit moves in us to carry out his compassion towards others. Reformation, in my opinion, is not comfortable. It means honoring that we are prone to distort the will of God away from what is good and to rip even his grace out of its purpose and center it upon ourselves alone. To reform means to be willing to keep going back to the character of our God and how he acts in compassion towards all people in Jesus and to continually reform our lives as individuals and as a community of faith that we may better embody him to one another and to the world. We are centered upon the grace of God. That is our foundation in Christ. And I pray he would continue to guide us throughout our lives as he guides his church around the world in care for the vulnerable and in compassion for the weak. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.